Hey everybody, we were once called Final Frontiers. Now we are Here Come the Warm Gents. We're still talking about Alias, still the only people that are on the internet talking about Alias, and so far we have not yet been sued, Warm Gents or otherwise. So stay tuned and have a good listen. Hey, Internet. Welcome to Final Frontiers, the Internet's first and only alias podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Mitchell. Uh, just looking at the SoundCloud account today, some of our listeners, some of our uh, most, most uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dedicated? Dedicated listeners. They are from Singapore. Really? They are from Spring, Texas. They are from Sunderland, England. Wow, we got a, te- a Texan and an Englishman. Uh, and, you know, people from the Bronx... Uh, like you, people from Brooklyn, like me, people from Manhattan, like most people. Uh, In the world, or? Yeah. So <laughs> we are uh, we are blowing up. We we have a thing going. Yeah. I wish some of them would tweet at us, or uh, I'll, I'll have to, next time we do this, I'm going to have to write down the, uh, the, the phone I, number to our, our Gmail account, which IPH. did get a voicemail today. Really? From a, a wrong number about a healthcare benefit. Oh. For, Fuck, uh, we don't have... No. The minute, I don't care about money, but when we get healthcare benefits from doing this shit, we've struck pay dirt. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's a long time coming. We have to, you know, use uh, an outside HR office and probably enroll in the healthcare exchange. Ooh. It's going to be yeah, exact. My thoughts exactly. It's like uh, an intro to one of these uh, alias episodes. Tedious. Yeah. Tedious. Tedious and unexplained by voiceover. Today we are talking about season one, episode twenty, the solution. Directed by Dan Atias, written by John Eisendrath, two uh, old pros. Netflix summary. Let's get this out of the mm-hmm. way. Sydney and Vaughn meet with Mr. Sark, hoping to catch Kazanow, but Sydney's cover is endangered when an SD6 agent is sent to stop the trade. Vague. But in a good way. Vague, though. Any luck with the TV guide, or is that fa- are you, have you phased that out? It's exactly the same as the Wikipedia summary. Okay. Uh, only the Wikipedia summary actually tightened up a little better than the TV guide summary. For, for the first time ever, someone on Wikipedia has improved the legibility of a, uh, yeah. a summary. Yeah. All right, so Wikipedia summary. In order to catch Kaznow and get closer to finding her mother, Sydney and Vaughn set up an undercover transaction for a, a Rambaldi artifact with Kaznow's representative, Mr. Sark. But Sydney's cover may be compromised when her partner, SD6 agent Marcus Dixon, is sent in to thwart the sale. Meanwhile, Will is enticed to continue his investigation of SD6 when he learns the identity of one of his kidnappers. Emily tells Sydney that she knows about SD6, which forces Sloane to make the most difficult decision of his life. So how about that? How, how about this episode of Alias? Uh, I liked it. I liked it too, right? It, like up until the last five minutes or so. Oh, and it got just a... Uh, be racist yeah. yeah it's like oh what do we do yeah how, how do we how does a modern audience an audience uh 10 years wiser 10 years 10 plus years 15 years 15 let's years say 15 let's years. say uh let's give it let's use an accurate number 15 well 14, 14. Al- almost on the nose yeah but uh let's let's round it to 15 all right so that way i don't have to keep track okay so fi- a 15 years wiser more evolved audience not not in for the uh darkening I'm not sure if brownface was okay at the time. It probably wasn't. 
Uh, I mean, there was that Dana Carvey movie, Master of Disguise. Yeah. I'm not sure if people were okay with it that. Was, it was finally like, uh, it's kind of a fucked up thing to say, but there's finally enough advocacy for that type of, for anyone to be like, all right, that's not that's not cool. Yeah. Like it takes like... Don't dehumanize uh, an enormous portion of the world population. Yeah. If you can stand it. Yeah. If it, <laughs> if it doesn't put you too much out of your way, don't paint yourself brown to uh, for any reason. Yeah. Just don't stop. Well, I don't know. Colored like, contacts, maybe. I would, yeah. Like if you the, don't already have brown eyes, which I believe Jennifer Garner does. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I was, you know, as cringeworthy as this whole scene is that we're describing, I'm kind of like, all right. So in the context of uh, audience, we're like, uh, not okay with it. But for someone who's a spy, is that out of bounds? Um, Probably not. Are they? But- uh, it's not an excuse. It doesn't excuse it. But, but I'm just saying, I think like that, when you're putting on the makeup as a spy, part of you still is a little bit queasy. You know, you're uh, you don't feel great about it. Do you moralize it then and think, well, I don't feel comfortable. I'm sure I'm offending somebody. Well, I, but it, also, I'm probably going to kill these people. Right. If you think of the transgressions yeah. necessary to to be an effective uh, hardcore super spy, which is what I like to call Sydney Bristow. Yeah, hardcore super spy. Uh, always murdering and occasionally feeling bad about it, but not really. Getting men killed after sexual intercourse, not unlike Rose Nyland from The Golden Girls. Or uh, like James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, so I was thinking about that. The ratio of the t- of times that James Bond has slept with a woman that was then killed. Lower than you think. Lower than you think, but when he actually kind of cares about it. Mm. It's, I think, what, would you say Art Lazenby was the first James Bond who was kind of like, uh yeah dang yeah oh nuts uh that really uh yeah tracy really kind of tally savalas don't kill my girl that's got, got oh, him in the feels on point george lazenby by the way it's not bad yeah but right. sydney she's really bummed out about uh having killed noah in yeah. self-defense Ta- i think we technically he fell on a knife yeah, he, it's a prison style we, murder we, but we, it's we, a murder because we get to re-watch that um we so we had like the, the the traditional. I was in grad school when someone handed me a note and it said, mm-hmm. "Be a spy." We get that opening. Yeah, the, the we vector also, marketing uh, recruitment scheme <laughs> yeah. that SD six has. Yeah, but then we also get we see uh, Arvin killing his best friend or right. one of his good friends. We get mm-hmm. like these. We get like two scenes of just previously without any dialogue, which are just kind of like, mm. yeah, remember this happened? And one of them is Noah getting killed, and it was much more obvious that he kind of threw himself on the knife. You think that he intentionally killed himself? Maybe not. I don't think he did, but the acting looked a little... Well, he did. He does have these last words, like, uh, does he apologize, or what does he do? He, I, don't, I didn't want you to find out, something yeah. like that. I think that in reality, Sydney would just be psyched that Peter Berg died, and now she doesn't have to live with him on an island. <laughs> I would be so relieved. That's It's like, oh, now I don't have to go to an island with Peter Berg and slowly start to imitate his lisp over a period of years. What were they talking? They'd be talking about hockey. He looks like a, the hockey guy. Oh yeah, he's talking about that. He will not shut up. He loves the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, just goes. Is that the right city? I was going to say Chicago Blackhawks, but uh, it could be a Red Wings fan. Yeah, I thought this whole opening scene was much artier than the show normally is. It's very. The opening scene with all the uh, uh, cuts of like previous with, segments. I was like, "Is this a well, uh, this is quietly another clip show?" Well, yeah, with with all the training and um, and it was shot in this very grainy, uh, blown out style with this very delicate, uh, like 
Vangelis Tangerine Dream kind of music playing. Yeah, over. is that where it, like you know it had um I don't know if it's the right the, the proper term. It had a lot of like kind of like string swells, mm-hmm. kind of like yeah, like, made, kind of like music is glowing in intensity. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, it made me think of the uh, the Twin Peaks soundtrack almost, just in that it was this very quietly pretty, uncharacteristically yeah. for the show. Made me think of uh, Demon Souls. Demon Souls is like when you're creating your character and you're in the uh, like. I don't know what Demon Souls is. Well, it has a really that like that part of the soundtrack is just really soothing for such a pain in the ass game. But it had that like like I don't is that a swell? What is what musical term is that? It's you're the like, musician, the I'm loudest a, drummer in Brooklyn. I'm you a drummer. Know. That doesn't qualify me as a musician. I'm more of an athlete slash porn star. Athlete. That brings me to my next question: Were you a nerd who was really into martial arts as a kid? No. And I feel like I'm looking at one. You are because I was. Uh, Sydney's trainer. I'm, this is a, uh, a digression that's going to last for probably five to ten minutes. Let's, so let's so do buckle it. up. Sydney's trainer is played by Benny Urquidez, known to his fans, foes, and admirers as <laughs> the Jet. Okay. Benny the Jet Urquidez. His fans and many enemies. Black Belt Magazine's Competitor of the Year, 1978. I know him from Jackie Chan movies like uh, Wheels on Meals and uh, <laughs> so, excuse me, Dra- Dragons Forever. Wheels on Meals, it was called that. <laughs> this is true. Uh, the distribution company at the time, I want to say it was Golden Harvest, but I could be wrong. They believed that movies that started with M were unlucky and didn't do well at the box office. So they retitled their movie. Moonraker. Tanked. That was not uh, one of their pictures. That okay. was released by United Artists. Oh, so um, they thought their movies, right? Starting with starting with M, but all movies in general starting with M are okay. Like the idea of a movie starting with M, I knock yourself out. But if we're producing it, fuck that. It's not starting with M. I think that they would like other movies from other studios to start with M because if they do poorly at the box office, then uh, the hell with them. Mosquito Coast, they're right. That probably did whatever at the box office. Correct. Peter Weir. Uh, Harrison Ford's favorite of his work. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's why it's called Wheels on Meals. He's also in Roadhouse. Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, per Wikipedia, Urquidez was born in Los Angeles County, California, the son of a wrestling mother and a boxing father as a half Spanish, half Mexican with Blackfoot American Indians ancestors, too. His sister, Lily Rodriguez, was a pioneer in kickboxing for women. Urquidez and his wife are part of the Blackfoot tribe. Per the IMDb. He has remained undefeated for more than 27 years and remains the longest reigning world champion of all professional sports in modern history. Really? Among his students from his website, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, John Cusack, Nicolas Cage, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jimmy Smith, Chuck Norris, Kurt Russell, Marcus Wahlberg, Louis Gossett Jr., Michelle Pfeiffer, Juliette Lewis, Michael Keaton, Woody Harrelson, Rene Russo, Dave Mustaine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Duff McKagan, Patrick Swayze, and uh, singer for a band called uh, Van Halen, Diamond David Lee Roth. Really? Who dedicated the song Jump to Benny Urquidez. Really? Indeed. So did you, as a martial arts nerd, did you recognize him immediately? I, like, holy shit, Urquidez is in the house. No, I saw that he was uh, listed uncredited on the IMDb, <laughs> and I went, oh, shit. And uh, <laughs> Did you fix that? Did you edit that? Edit what? Can you not suggest edits to IMDb? No, but he's he's listed as being uncredited. I could oh, okay. I could say that he was credited, but then I would be lying. Yeah, you uh, would be. Anyway, Sydney, knuckles bloody, 
Yeah, she starts out a bit timid. She worries. Uh, Akita's encourages her to uh, put more into it. And then does this really uh, shitty, like, oh, wow, you really kicked that one. Kind of threw me. Yeah. And uh, she's talking to Vaughn. Because I'm, I'm becoming what I hate. I don't like doing this, Vaughn. And Vaughn, he puts down the big SD6 placemat. He says, look at this placemat. Oh, I like where they're, they're meeting when, they, when he first showed that mat, which is like the blood drive van. So I guess <laughs> there's like another blood drive in front of Credit Dolphin. Sure. Yeah. As opposed, this was opposed to the, uh, the, the chain link AV, clo- AV locker. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I think comes I, back in I did read is called the self-storage locker. Is it? I think so. And it, it's, is it off location or is it at like the CIA? I think it's, well, I think it's like it has some a, warehouse. I think it has establishing shots of like warehouses. Okay. I mean, maybe it is CIA, but it seems like, I don't know. Would SD6 know that those are CIA warehouses? Mm, SD6 doesn't seem to be very good about uh, their their flow of information from the CIA seems very one-sided. Yeah, because they want to appear like they're a a legitimate part of the CIA, but they don't don't give a shit about the Central Intelligence Agency. They give a shit about Rambaldi. Rambaldi is their focus. 9-11, clearly not their focus. Don't give a Pre- damn. Preventing such things. Eh. They didn't cause it. They uh, they didn't start the fire. When are we talking about SD6 or the CIA? Uh, SD6. Okay. <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't cause it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they don't seem uh, that concerned with it. Not well, yeah, really impacting their goals, unless there were Rambaldi artifacts they, in the World Trade Center. So that's interesting. Everyone, every, everyone who did anything after 9-11, teacher, janitor, I'm just trying to think of, I'm not just saying anyone in the government, which of course every congressman and every senator did, but everybody Mm -hmm. wore American flag pins after 9-11. Sure. Uh, You you think that you work for a super secret agency of the government that's out for the government's best interests. Why don't you show some uh, solidarity for America? Maybe they they think it's tacky as as, uh, so many other people have tasted... Will and Francie, what are they doing? They're hunting rodents? Yeah. They're just a couple. They hate Mises to pieces. They are just a couple. They're just... The Plutonic duo is just living together, whether they like, to, whether they like it or not, they it's, are. It's weird, and it's weird that it's not remarked upon by, uh, I guess, Sydney, I guess, cause, because who else knows? Because she's uh, too goddamn... Self-absorbed? Self-absorbed yeah. with her own moral quandaries to look at her friends. Her friends who are onto her. Which she's had to thank God they're idiots that just believe any lie. And uh, Francie, she can't be there to wait for an exterminator. She's got to do some catering. For 30 people. Yeah. It's oh. quite, quite the bat mitzvah. Oh, man. Sydney's just got gonna, work. It's like her running around with like two trays in each hand. Even with one tray, you can't, yeah. uh, you can't wait for an it was exterminator. A, it, was a bat, it was a bat mitzvah? Bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah? I'm just assuming. And uh, at Burns Will's ass... He gets a call from the <laughs> SD6 source, whoever the hell that is, uh, saying, hey, when are you going to publish that story, pretty boy? And uh, Hey, cutie pie. We've hey. been uh, waiting for this uh, story to come out. Hey, toots. Hey. And uh, he says, what? The sugar tips. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to do that now. I'm scared. Yeah. And it's uh, <laughs> like, you know, Jack Bristow is the one who kidnapped you. <laughs> you know who Jack Bristow is? He's the he, one that did it. He says, shut the front door. <laughs> and uh, That guy who just showed up to Thanksgiving with empty-handed. A terrible, yeah. terrible guess for anything. Yeah. I thought this was finally going to be the episode where he and Will hook up. They were so, <laughs> they were so close. Um, there, there's a look there. 
I oh, think, there I think absolutely is a look. I'm hoping that this that, that's what happens in season three. I hope it happens in season one. We've got <laughs> two episodes left. All right. He could hit it, quit it, and then uh, come back around third season. You don't know Jack until he knows you, baby. You have to attract the rats with the good stuff, says Francie, because rats are a metaphor for spies. <laughs> case not we- Jews. <laughs> she's, she's not like secretly anti-Semitic, and we're finally figuring that out now. Or just uh, a fan of Mouse by Arch Spiegelman. Ah, could be. Nope. They're a metaphor for spies. Uh, I feel like her anti-Semitism would have come up at some point. Mm, once again, there's two more episodes left. I'm saying people say this uh, show fell apart either because of just uh, the audience is homophobia. Well, first or Francie's anti-Semitism. They're fine with their anti with her anti-Semitism, but they're like it's confusing. Why was she didn't say she didn't say anything about it when she was about to work that bat mitzvah? And uh, then they're going to be like, oh yeah, that guy in the podcast made it up. <laughs> 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 15 years from now <laughs> oh man we're just and also ret- what's a podcast yeah because it's, it's 2002 and those aren't a thing yet god i hate being a prophet sydney has a great plan she's going to lure Kazanon in with a black market sale of another vial of rambaldi cat piss <laughs> and, and what's it's one of the more convoluted plans that they're gonna rob a museum by pretending to be insurance inspectors Right. And then among the contents listed for sale, it's going to be a little bottle of bottle the of piss. And I guess hopefully that'll be enough to alert, uh, you know, right. and ours Well, first of to... all, they know about this uh, museum as a possible holder for Rambaldi artifacts because there was already a SD6 mission that failed that resulted in the, the oh, death right. of two agents. <laughs> It's like, it's oh, my, yeah, they all died. Yeah, oh, yeah, we machine gunned down. That's we, why you didn't hear about you're it. You're all fucking disposable. <laughs> Anytime we want. We don't need McCullough. We don't need, McCullough, we don't need, uh, we don't need Sawman or Phantasm. We'll just fucking <laughs> machine gun you from a moving vehicle. Yeah, so they have like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll just look at the security plans from that heist. Like, bullshit. If they, had a, if they captured people, there's no <laughs> way they have the same security. Like, oh, well, we caught them, so it works. Fuck yeah. <laughs> we'll double down on this. And then Vaughn and Sydney have to, they have to convince Devlin, that old ghoul who runs the the L.A. branch of the CIA, that this is a good idea, and he's like, "Yeah, fuck it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the hardest sell. It's just uh, ever that uh, they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna steal a bunch of priceless artifacts from a museum." He knows he's not going anywhere in the CIA. He's nobody. Who maybe, are they he's maybe to? he's maybe ten years away from retirement. Like, yeah, fuck it. What do you, you need? Do you think do ten it. years? Let's, yeah. see, let's see how the rest of the season goes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel good about a director of the CIA where you can just walk up to his patio door and tap on the window. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was another guy there, too. Like It was like someone who kind of let Jack do that. You, was, did, did you get that? I got. Uh, I, I, was, I, was I like, had a vague memory of a third person. Yeah, it was like he there was like protocol. It wasn't like he just showed up. It's like, all right, he spoke to security. Security was like, you're obviously someone that's important. OK, so park around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it seems like Jack probably can't just run around. There's probably a whole system where he has to park his car, get in another car, because if SD6 tails him, they see him pulling up to the CIA right. office. Well, he knows maybe he's little, he's a bit more experienced in Sydney, so he's not getting followed as much. Or maybe he just has 
he has solidified his trust with Arvin, so he's not getting uh, tales and whatnot. Seems unlikely. <laughs> yeah. So, Will, I guess this is the next day. Of course it is. What exterminator is going to show up the same day? He's waiting for that exterminator. Did you not think that he, I think that he, he was going to get killed by the exterminator? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just, yeah. Uh, it's the, or he was going to like put a bag over his head it's and It's the some first shit. time that like an exterminator or a maintenance guy was actually an exterminator or a maintenance guy. I like the fact that he shows up in, in his uh, jumpsuit. It has like the big like <laughs> no sign, like the circle with the line through it and yeah. the silhouette of a rat. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the, the Drusinski exterminator. That's their sole bit of signage. Drusinski? What does that mean? Uh, that was the name. Drusinski's Pest Control. Ah. He spells it. And it's, it's <laughs> he totally spells like, it. Is that an allusion to something? I Googled it. No. It doesn't mean anything. They just chose a uh, an unnecessarily... Polish-sounding name. Yeah. I bet it's real Polish. Probably. We should ask a poll if we can find one. Where would we find one in this neighborhood? I don't know. The exterminator's doing a thing. He's uh, rooting through the junk drawer. <laughs> yeah. where, where, right. where there's a perfect photo of uh, a young Victor Garber. <laughs> yeah, this this beautiful picture of a young Victor Garber. It's clearly a headshot. Yeah. <laughs> it's There's no photo like that is ever taken of a man, ever. Beautiful blue eyes Much, glistening into yeah, the camera. Like, like just full of dark youth, hair. Full of youth and vigor. Can't wait to make, bust out on Broadway. Uh, what is Will gets like a piece of saran wrap. Because <laughs> yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't want to mess up the photo, which is <laughs> considerate of him. He's smart. I don't uh, think anyone would miss the photo. Well, it was up, in a junk drawer. Up to this point, he doesn't think that Sydney is involved with any of this. Right. So he doesn't want anyone still, else. Who would miss the photo? Sydney. It's in a junk drawer. It's in a drunk drawer. A lot of shit that you miss at some point. You're like, oh, I bet you it's in my drunk drawer. Not photos of my father. Those, <laughs> are, those aren't things that I put in a drunk drawer. I've had a drunk drawer. So when I, I think a drunk drunk foreshadowing dr freud oh slippage <laughs> i think a junk drawer just has like just knickknacks stuff that's not necessarily junk but stuff you just haven't found a better pace, place for uh-huh. i've definitely had photos of my father in a junk drawer really yeah that's I, I fucking had like, stupid i've had like a little like slide like one of those little like slideshow projector slide things of my dad uh like in mid-swing at a uh, boxing softball, match? softball game, oh. baseball. And, like, I think a photo of him and my mother on their wedding day. You know how many photos of my dad I have in my home? Yeah. None. It's weird. He's my dad. Why would Why I have that, that in weird? my home? What, I'm going to have a photo of my dad? Like yeah. a like a, like a glossy headshot of my father? Signed to my son. <laughs> Love your father. Yeah. Stay cool. Yeah. Love Mr. Thomas. Don't step in the oil. Uh, please put your clothing away. Stay cool. Love dad. Love dad. <laughs> Love Matt's dad. Hey, you're all right. You got my approval. Your father. Then <laughs> Sydney has to visit Emily in the hospital. Oh, well, yeah. She, she's wearing a lot of makeup. Yeah. She like uh, Thankfully, she had to wear makeup. <laughs> and they weren't like, oh, she's got cancer. Great. We can use it. She looks like, like a fifth grader sneaking out to the mall. <laughs> no, she does. <laughs> she what? does. It's an insane amount of makeup. I've never seen an adult woman... Who was where it wasn't like stage makeup wearing that much makeup? It was stage makeup. Well, it wasn't stage, obviously. No, but it I was mean, makeup like somebody, for a like motion a, picture or for television. I mean, like in a stage production where you need to see the makeup from the back of the room. Yeah, that's the only time where I've seen an adult woman with my own eyes wearing that much makeup. Well, we did have the another of the opening shots that went unexplained. We had her explaining to Sydney, I won't be around next Christmas. Right. So we need. So we had her. She looked vibrant. 
and youthful sitting in, sitting in the garden. Mm-hmm. So we need to show her obviously uh, succumbing to the cancer and the chemotherapy and whatnot. Do you think uh, or the, Christmas seems optimistic? <laughs> <laughs> like, in, in, in light of this episode, perhaps. Yeah, like I don't perhaps. think she's going to be alive to see Attack of the Clones in a few weeks. At SD6, oh, we should say that Emily, uh, she mentions that she knows a thing or two about Arvin's job. She knows, she says the, the phrase that pays, SD6. Apparently, if you just whisper that phrase, the fucking cameras go on and someone just starts listening well, to what's been that, recorded. That has to be at... Angel of Mercy, right? The the SD six hospital. <laughs> Ironically, if you mention does does the SD six hospital have a good oncology ward? Yeah, I think it has to, right? You, you got to have really good. Listen, <laughs> the amount of people that are paying into their benefits that aren't receiving them because you know they get fucking mowed down while on duty. Mm, there, that's there's, true. There's a definite surplus on that budget. But at the same time, if I was uh, if I had my fingers in the HR pie at SD six. I would say, uh, <laughs> well, it looks like uh, you got cancer. And then, like, as they're walking out, you know, they turn the ignition on the car, it blows up. Yeah. Like, we're not going to pay for your chemotherapy. That's like what Spectre would do. SD6 is above that. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe a little yeah. bit. If you're in Spectre, you'd uh, just be, like, walking to your car, and you'd hear, like, footsteps behind you, and, like, you just, like, kind of have to, like, run to your car before some woman with a knife in her shoe just, like, furiously kicked at you. Like, Is I there a big... Not again. A big company anywhere that wouldn't, like, oh, yeah, your doctor said you have cancer, best of luck, and then you go out to your car and your car explodes? I think that that's true of most large companies where everybody contributes to a, a shared healthcare plan. Yeah, isn't, isn't that the plot of uh, John Grisham's The Rainmaker? Is it really? Probably. <laughs> so, Sloan is the only one who can save Emily now. But like isn't was, he always the only one who can save anyone? Pretty much. Like that's what Sloan is. He's, He's... Yeah. So we're in Algeria with Sydney and Vaughn. The desert, of course. They are. Arvin says to Sydney as oh, she... You want to take a week off work? Where let are me, you going? Let me close talk and touch you before that. So you don't forget about me. I'm like your dad, you know, not the dad that drank. Just saying. Where, where are you going, Sydney? The desert. Hmm. It's why she's a bad spy. Are you even listening, Arvin? Focus. <laughs> I know the, your employer is about to murder your wife, but oh, so in the game. Here's an interesting question. Does Arvin kind of feel maybe miffed at Sydney for, having that, for visiting Emily and then having SD6 brought up? I bet it's not irrelevant. It's not irrelevant because I mean, it's someone he cares for. He's asked Sydney to visit Emily in the past. Yeah. And Sydney is being the friend to Emily that Arvin wishes her to be, that loves her for being. Uh-huh. But it's also kind of brought forth the terrible, uh, the sticky wicket of having to murder your cancer-ridden wife. Yeah. No, he definitely, um, you know, let her step right in it by... Encouraging one of his employees to go to the hospital to talk to her. Though, did he encourage her? Did Emily call Sydney on her own? I forget. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they say. I think she just goes to the hospital. So maybe she got a text. Maybe people are texting at this point. I don't know. Uh, It seems possible. So anyway, Algeria. They're at the museum. Michael Vartan. Michael Vartan. Vaughn. Uh-huh. For a a guy with a French name who was also born in France and lived in France until he was 18... Uh, he's got a really lousy French accent, doesn't he? Well, maybe he has to. Maybe he's acting. He's he's like being an American with a bad French accent. Yeah, I don't know. That seems weak. He's doing that. It's like when uh, McNulty does a British accent in oh, uh, The right. Wire. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
I guess I'm not giving Michael Vartan too much credit. You should try. You know what? If he would like to add us back on Twitter, <laughs> if he would like to, to log into Twitter for the first time in many years. Let's not pander to Mark, Michael Vartan. Uh, I, think we're, I think we're better than that. That would be great. I think we're better we're, than pandering gonna, to Michael Vartan. I'm going to DM him our uh, the Final Frontiers hotline. He can leave us a voicemail. It rings to my phone, which is really irritating. <laughs> I can't imagine the phone number dialing, and it's uh, Victor Garber. Oh, how thrilled would I be? Victor Garber wants to Skype. Wow. Ooh, really? I, I bet that takes a turn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope it does. Yeah, me too. I, I would go along with it, just for the story. Victor Garber, if you're listening, we can Skype. <laughs> Skype us. Vaughn, among his, uh, his little devices... It's a frequency jammer disguised as a pack of double mint. Yeah. Clearly uh, double mint. Blatantly, flamingly double mint. Yeah. And Wrigley's double mint even. Yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. That's their only, it's going to be this pack of double mint and our wits. So who uh, who gave them that? Was it, we missed? Well, there's the CIA's, uh, their shitty uh, Marshall Flankman. Yeah. Who's just like a boring, he doesn't, he doesn't make pop-up books to <laughs> relieve his stress. Yeah. Which is, it's such a great detail. That that uh, Marshall Flinkman makes pop-up books? Yeah. Who makes I, pop-up books? I don't even think that's something that a normal person can do. I thought you had to have, like, an industry behind you. You need special tools. I, I think he has those. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea how one gets into that game. It sounds exhausting. It sounds like a lot of work with exacto knives. But you got to make it pop up. I feel like I would fail at the fundamental, at the quintessential part of a pop-up book. Which is making the art or the book pop up? I'd be like, ah, fuck! I can't do this because it's supposed to all—it's supposed to go down too at some point when you close the book right. and then pop up. You can't at, just at make any a given thing moment. that stands up. Yeah, that's a diorama. Yeah, I, that, that would be me. Like, well, fuck it, it's a diorama now. I made a diorama. Yeah. Here's where uh, I, I, I pivoted. I fucking changed course. Yeah. It's now a diorama, and I'm fine with that. Sydney takes the. We don't need to explain the details of their scheme. I, she breaks into you a You have vault. the pages of notes that, that, oh, that do so. I have four pages of notes. Five pages of notes. Jesus. I condensed. It's explained that the vault is a third-generation Hanvalova. Oh, and shout out to Hanvalova. Not really, because I Googled it. No such thing as a Hanvalova vault. The only that's, what they, that's what they want you to think. The only reference to Hanvalova vaults are to this specific episode of Alias. Not a real thing. Um, oh, the other devices, a charm bracelet to crack open the safe. Sure. And if that charm bracelet doesn't work, a uh, cell phone. Here's, here's some plastic explosives. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, if this uh, lockpick doesn't work, here's a battering ram. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, so she takes a grappling hook. She goes up a ventilation shaft or what? Uh, yeah, it was a very uh, Batman Begins esque grappling hook. It's pretty cool. Yeah, not bad. It's, uh, what do you call that? Spring-loaded? Pneumatic, maybe? Uh, Probably yeah. spring-loaded, I think you're right. Do museums? You're uh, in the library sciences, mm-hmm. so you probably don't know, but you have a better idea. Do museums keep their artifacts in lucite cases like signed baseballs? <laughs> yeah. Is that a thing that they do? <laughs> this looks like an iPad. Yeah. Is uh, that a... Is that a a proper uh, curatorial method for proper uh, archival material depends on the material. Um, so, but this this vault it's full of stupid shit. Yeah. It's like it looks like shit that you would what you would imagine to be in a museum. I guess, as if you're looking at maybe like two seconds of a shot of film, you're like, yeah, okay. 
Yeah, well, it's like like weird Spencer's gift shit. <laughs> it's like the dodecahedron <laughs> models and Rubik's cubes, like all sealed like in a, lucite cases. Uh, like a, a card of like a muscular man, like with like something covering his genitalia. Yeah, and a black light. Go on. <laughs> like uh, magic mushroom uh, fluorescent posters. Yeah, yeah, and like spawn toys. <laughs> now we're talking <laughs> everything that's yeah McFarlane I, toys circa 1996 1997 yeah. you've got uh violator these are you've f- got uh clown who maybe that's violator i have yeah. no idea well you know he has is uh, his alias is uh the clown okay and when he's not the clown he's a violator that's awful well, it's what true. Just a, a fucking garbage property um Grenade falls off Sydney's belt, lands in the basement, explodes. Cell phone grenade. What a mess. How did they detect that the system... Oh, yeah, the the, the president of the museum was like, all right, no, 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 this is some bullshit. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of Get my museum. Get the fuck out of here. Start up the power. This little test is over. And the alarm goes off immediately as they're being escorted. Yeah. And the people are like, eh, it must be completely unrelated to this <laughs> strange yeah. mischief that just occurred. Whatever. Vaughn's like... Uh, all right, all right, we'll go. We're going. We're out of here. We're going. He's putting his shoes on. Yeah. He's really making He's himself at home. <laughs> Look, I'm going. I'm going, all right? Just cool your jets there, Mr. Algerian man, okay? I, I got my belt through the first three loops. It's a process. <laughs> We're out of here. Just looking him right in the eyes while he does it. Uh, <laughs> Why is that weird? If a man was beltless and was putting on his belt and was staring at me in the eyes, I'd be like, oh, man, this isn't normal. <laughs> Back of the newspaper. Did Will clean up his look? It seems like his got shorter hair, his shirt's tucked in. He his, looks his little, tips are crisp, but not uh not dyed, frosted anymore. Not frosted, no. Uh he looks a little more together, a little yeah. more like the Bradley Cooper um that Isn't I he met doesn't later. have the uh the young intern to impress. The, That's true. The impetuous youth has he's moved n- on from his bullshit, so he doesn't have to look hip. He's with he's it. no longer twenty seven trying to look twenty two, <laughs> he's just twenty seven nope. looking twenty seven. Yeah. Good for him. It's terrific. He gives his uh, who is that that British lady he works with his coworker. Okay, let's just, let's just call her coworker. He gives her an envelope, saying, "Look, I'm going to go meet my abductor. Yeah, if I die, here's a story. Publish it. You know, I've put some uh, sharpie to a uh, saran wrap on a picture. I've got evidence. I have. I know what I'm doing. He follows Spida to a hotel bar. I'm thinking." Finally, this is happening. <laughs> I just, the Jack is so cool. Will goes up to the bar. He's like, can I get a beer? And Jack's like drinking whiskey. He yeah, doesn't no, care. I'm not going to designate a brand, but, you know, whatever's on tap and can come in a frosty mug. Yeah, Jack gets a little freaked out. At first, I'm like, Jack's playing him. Yeah, Jack has a bit of a... Uh, Will, Jack's playing you. Yeah. And uh, no, it turns out Jack's a little freaked out. He's like, what the fuck? And he's like, let's go... I'm going to go talk to my boss. I'm going to walk. going to rap on his fucking. I'm going to walk through his backyard <laughs> in Pasadena. Yeah. And I'm going to say, hey. I think I've, I've been in houses. Oh, yeah. Where you have the uh, the glass screen door yeah. adjacent to your bedroom. That's fucking terrifying. No, I, I would never. I do not want to wake up uh, just in, in mid-sleep and see a shadow of a human figure. It's one of the great yeah. comforts of living on anything above the ground floor is that there is no danger so if i don't have a fire escape outside my room there's a greater danger of me 
you know, dying in a fire, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But I never have to worry about anybody being outside my window unless they're in a cherry picker. And if they are, they're probably a Con Edison employee just doing a fucking good job. No need to piss off the Con Ed people. Show them the goods. Podcast. Show them the goods. <laughs> they say there's a whistleblower in the CIA and he has access to Omega-17 files. What's Omega-17? They won't explain it. Uh, <laughs> Is this the... Uh... The the same empty room that uh, Jack was just per- yeah, like casually with, perusing with the lateral files. Yeah, the well lit room where he's just digging through the CIA's files. Yeah, Jack suspects bitter beer face because uh, he filed a complaint because he he held a gun to his head. <laughs> what an asshole! What a, what a turd! This this FBI jack off because he files a complaint because I threatened him with a gun to his head. I bet that he's the mole. I loved uh, Jack's response. It was like, yeah, I fucking put a gun to his head. I took more FBI men hostage and put guns to their head to clear my daughter. I'll do it, I'll do it fucking again. Yeah. Quicker than you can say Jack Johnson. Fucking dare me, you old man. I like Spy Dad as a dad. Yeah. I don't like him as a spy so much. I kind of like him. I like him in both uh, regards. I think that his, uh, his methods are reckless. I think he's finally coming into... Uh, fruition as a father yes before because he was suffering uh, understandably so from the being lied to about his wife's passing yeah Yeah. or just being lied to about his wife's love just being completely yes uh, deceived and just hurt and and wronged you know he took to the bottle he kind of maybe he saw his daughter as an extension of uh, the betrayal like you know this, this is a product of uh, my wife's beguilement. That was beautiful. Yeah. But That's some deep observation. But it is no excuse to hold uh, a gun to a man's head and threaten him. But it's no bitter, matter it's how bitter, bitter his beer face might be. Come on. Nope. Anyway, fuck bitter beer face. Uh, Francie wants to send a card to Will to thank him for <laughs> waiting for the exterminator. <laughs> like you do. Sydney out of nowhere says, fuck the guy. I thought really clearly. Now I'm not thinking clearly no more. Pipes aren't so clean as they were. Uh, spoiler alert, or not, what's uh, maybe TMI? You you waited with me in an emergency room. Did I send you a card? Yeah, I paid for a cab and some alcohol, maybe. Oh, you're talking. I thought you were alluding to an event, I'm, I'm, an I'm alias a, that I I'm forgot alluding about. to our our personal. Are lives. you allowed to talk? Are we out of the woods legally where you we can talk about? I your, think uh, I think if we're vague, your podcast I, sustained injury where I think, you. I think if we're vague about it, okay. Like if, if I, who knows if it's podcast sustained? Who knows if it has anything to do with anything? All right, but we can say all the audience needs to know is that you were in an emergency room for about. Five hours? Yeah, and you were there alongside me. Yeah. Not even reading interesting comics, just there. I was being a very good sport. Yeah. I was very tired. Supportive. Sure. Uh, no, I didn't get a card, right. but um, um, not a uh, prima donna. Why would I want one? Yeah. What am I going to do with a card? I may, I, I, I don't need to be reminded of the good things <laughs> I've done. It yeah. just bum me out because why am I not still doing those things? Remember this potential you had as a person? No. Well, good. Live your life happily. I made my gratitude evident, did I not? You did, but okay. you you didn't uh, make it a concrete oh, thing that's just going to haunt me forever. Oh, is that what a card does? Yeah, it's like this nightmare that I have where I'm going to sign up for the bone marrow registry, and then I'm going to have a match with someone. I give him my marrow, and I save his life, and then he's a racist. <laughs> and now there's this guy who's in my life forever. 
I'm an only child. I have no siblings. Yeah. And but oh, but now I have a brother. I saved a man's life with my bone marrow. I had a very painful and uh, intrusive extraction of the bone marrow out of my pelvic bone, which is where I think they take it. Oh, it's a nightmare. And uh, I save a man's life. And then I say we start talking to it. And then he has like really strong opinions about the bathroom laws in North Carolina. And I'm like, ah, shit. I gave my bone marrow to an asshole. And now he's like my brother. I feel Perfect. like there's like there's there are like two uh, TV shows of like at like opposite ends of the ends of the spectrum that have tackled this. It's probably like Curb Your Enthusiasm and like Star Trek: The Next Generation that have like what are the consequences of my uh, generosity uh, towards shitty people? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think, and that's, I think I think that you, haunts me. I think you still come out of the clear though. Well, you're, you're still in the clear. Well, I'm just saying. Imagine a card. The extension of receiving a card is uh, gaining a sibling who's an asshole. Are you saying that you're like, oh, fuck it. I'm glad that jerk didn't uh, send me a card because then I'd be. I want any nice thing I do to sort of pass unnoticed like a ship in the night. I don't need to be reminded of it until I die because it's just being reminded of anything. It's bad news. I'm going to I'm going to make it my personal um, mission to, you know, knock on wood. Not soon. But whenever you die. I'm going to get it on your goddamn tombstone that you waited five hours in an emergency room with me. Then it's someone else's problem. It's not my problem anymore. <laughs> That's fine. Good. But if you think that you're outliving me, you're a damn fool. Oh, because oh, you don't eat meat? Yeah. I got no, there's no rotting cow in me, Mitchell. I'm going to live forever. Yeah, that's it's right. It's all kidney beans and water. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. At SD6, they find out that uh, Edward Poole, Roger Moore... He was carrying two phones, <laughs> two cell phones, <laughs> two cell phones like, like Walter White in Breaking Bad. Yeah. They, Before they, that was a thing. Yeah. Like who has two who cell has phones? Two cell? You got one? A drug dealer. Yeah. Like Walter White. Yeah. Uh, nobody else. Then, uh, so I guess we'll come back to that a little bit later. But then uh, the SD6 creep comes in uh, who wants to kill Arvin's wife. So the time and date has been set, Arvin. What are we, we going to do about this wife of yours, Arvin? It's like, oh, come on, you... Dick, she's dying of cancer. Yeah. What's she going to do? And uh, the actor playing this guy, Tony Amendola, big voice actor, known for uh, a lot of things. What caught my attention, he's the actor who played Salman Rushdie on Seinfeld. Saul Bass? Yes. Yeah. That's the same guy. Will gets a letter at the newspaper, drives his blue Ford Bronco to meet Jack in, by a dilapidated warehouse. But Did you notice in this scene that he and Jack don't seem to make eye contact hardly once. I thought that was just the aforementioned sexual tension building. No, I, I get the feeling that it was either shot with doubles. Stand-ins, yeah. yeah, or uh, I don't know, like the sight lines were, the eye lines were all off. Drove me crazy. Hey, it hey, was like bad CGI or something. That uh, second unit director, he ain't doing no uh, second units no more. He's fucking up. Yep. And then he tells Will, very seriously, you talk to your contact. You're going to run the story and say that you're terrified of me. We didn't meet. You're terrified of me. So I guess that's that's that for his story this week, right? Yeah. I'm glad he has something to do. Well, he's, you, he's not playing meet. Madden 2002. Oh. <laughs> he's not uh, going to basketball games. Just trying to act like he's pretending to lose to Francie, but actually getting his ass beat by Francie. We don't see him win that award. No, we just hear about it. 
which seem what, do we even hear about it? We hear that he's nominated. He for nominated, it. Uh, or well, that he, we we hear that he's going to win it. Uh, he needed a new. The, he bought a tuxedo. Remember, Francie went with him. We don't even shopping. we don't even get to see him buy the tuxedo. Right, like show him it's with not, a tuxedo walking out of. Uh, where do you think they have these awards? Staples Center was that a thing no, back then? It, I think it was. Yeah, but it was no. They weren't. They weren't going to Staples Center. You don't, were, you don't think they had these awards at the same venue yeah. that hosts. Uh, at the Academy Awards. It was some like weird hotel. Sure. It was like the Roosevelt Hotel or some shit. They couldn't but, have him walking out of the Roosevelt holding a... Holding like a little like weird fucking statuette with like the Daily Planet on it. I don't yeah. know. It seems like it was that much. Will doesn't get to win. No, he shouldn't. Except for sleeping he, with a 20-year-old. Yeah. Well, he hasn't earned... <laughs> he hasn't earned anything else so far. He's busting his ass. No, He's wait, taking well, risk. He's getting kidnapped. Uh, to go back to his scene with Jack, Jack, he asks Jack, does Sidney know about any of this? And there's a bit of a pause where Jack no. is just like clenching his jaw and just gritting his teeth. It's like, no, she doesn't. And he's a kind of, uh, there's an immediate relief scene from Will Tippin. Meanwhile, Sidney's plan is so good, it's too good. Yeah. Uh, not only does Kaz now think there's a second ampule, but Marshall Flinkman found a way to tap Edward Poole's cell phones. And then he found out that he called Kazanow to say, hey, there's a second ampule of this shit. I was trying to figure out how Flinkman uh, monitoring or cracking Edward Poole's second phone somehow led to the Kazanow SD6 Marcus Dixon uh, countermission. So thank you for telling that. I honestly was like, wait, how did this happen? Yeah, it's a bit hard to follow, even if you take four pages of uh, <laughs> meticulous notes. Um, For a, a television show that some may argue up to this point has been <laughs> difficult to follow, yes, yeah. this was a bit difficult for us to follow. Uh, but Sydney very pointedly points out that there's a satellite phone, and if they're going to make any offers for this ampule, they have to do it in this certain time. And in this window, my father's going to block out SD6's monitoring of the satellite phone right i don't quite understand the mechanics of this not for me to understand he apparently has that he closes the door and then like like clicks on that pen whenever they want to talk in private and a fucking spy agency (laughs) which they do a lot of once every other episode sure seemingly yeah Um, exactly but little do they know sd6 they don't find out from the satellite phone they find out from edward Poole's conversation with kasnoff so uh, and then SD six, they're like, oh, oh, I see. There's a uh, a second thing, isn't that? Uh, Does SD six just assume that K Directorate did that heist? What are Vaughn and Sydney? What what organization do they uh, are they saying they represent? The Razlak Jihad. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they are. God damn, your notes of, are on point. Sorry, the uh, a splinter group from the Razlak Jihad. Not even the Razlak Jihad. Um, because when Sydney sits down with Sark, Sark says <laughs> uh, he likes the Razlak Jihad for its dedication to the principles of ancient Kunta. <laughs> Guess what's hard to Google? Because, Some... it, because it sounds like cunt. Uh, you know what? Ancient Kunta. <laughs> you know... <laughs> it's not a real thing. And it's, and it's hard to type it and not get a lot of results relating to uh, a vulgar word for you female know, genitals. You know what... So, aside from the brown face, yeah, when you're looking at close-ups of Sydney's forehead, mm-hmm. uh, 
you can't say it's Sydney. It's Jennifer Gardner. You're looking at Jennifer Gardner's forehead. You're trying not to think mean, sexist, or just uh, superficial thoughts. Okay. And you're looking at her forehead, and you're thinking, oh yeah, she kind of has like a, she kind of looks like a Michael Dorf. She kind of has this like this like Klingon uh, little forehead kind of like bulge. Michael there. Dorn. Dorn. Thank you. Worf was the character. It happens when you drink. Uh, I'll admit. But yeah, Michael your babies Dorn. turn out like that. Yeah, you look. Yeah, you get a mosquito and you have some gin without quinine. Boom, Zika. Ah. Uh, yeah, I was looking at her forehead. Like, ah, oh, it's kind of like a Klingony forehead. Mm-hmm. Now she's uh, like in brown face, and they have this fucking Klingon weapon that they have to duel with for uh. fucking honor in goddamn leather suits. Once again, like in an episode of Next Generation. It's like, what the fuck? Uh, actually. What in the actual fuck? The weapon is a Latijang, and it's most similar to the Vulcan Lerpa from the episode Amok Time. Oh, so. The... But we're not here to talk about Star Trek. Are you sure? We cannot talk about Star Trek. We cannot oh, mention that's in that the, bu- the Indonesian Latijang looks quite a bit like the Vulcan Lerpa from the episode Amok Time from the original series. It's in the, Season 2, Episode you, 1. You are correct. It's we in, cannot talk about Star Trek, though. It is in this podcast bylaw. It's like the first... It's like uh, Section 1, Clause 2. Yeah. Uh, section 1, Clause 1. We are not talking about Star Trek. Well, Section 1, Clause 1 is we're talking about Alias. Yeah. Section 2, Clause 2. Not... Star Trek. We understand why the title of the podcast might confuse you, and why we're the the fact that we're uh, talking about a J.J. Abrams joint might confuse you. I guess that was next door. Yeah, yeah. We what? all sang that song in our heads while this fight went. Ooh, a little peppy. Uh, Vaughn, because he doesn't see a lot of Sydney in the field. <laughs> yeah. He's like, don't do it, Sydney. This guy means business. And it turns out uh, she knows a thing or two about fighting. She knows a thing or two about esoteric uh, weapons. And while this hand, is happening. Hand-to-hand weapons from other cultures. SC6, so, they learn about this handoff. So uh, Arvin, he gives uh, Mantis Dixon yeah. the go-ahead. Use any force necessary to... Retain this ampule. You need to put on a Hawaiian shirt and wear a hat. You fucking. You wear do a it. fanny pack. <laughs> you go right in there looking like a tourist, and he does it. Like we don't get to see a lot of uh, mantis sticks in these days. Yeah, looking awesome. I'll take all the mantis sticks and I can get. We are in a Dixon drought, and it's one that uh, this episode is I all am too happy. Thirsting to for Dixon. Yeah, I'm thirsty. Sate my thirst. Season one, episode twenty. Uh, which it does. He comes in like a fucking machine. He's so cool. Yeah. And uh, Vaughn's watching guards go down like velociraptors preying on people in the field of tall grass. He's like, what's going on? All right. So the last shot of this episode, <laughs> it's him looking at Sydney with his mouth open. Uh, does he look like that? Because it's like, oh, shit, it's Sydney. Or is he like, oh, shit, why is Sydney in blackface? <laughs> He's like, oh, come on. Oh, come on. It's like the second that I'm not hanging out with you, you're on vacation for a week, <laughs> and I bump into you in blackface. You're just hanging out in Are blackface. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is, we're probably not the first person to have this. You're just like hanging out in blackface, entertaining Paula Dean. This is the person <laughs> that I love that I got shot for in fucking Argentina. And it's, um, yeah, a hell of a cliffhanger. I mean, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure... 
he doesn't kill Sydney. No. Now, there's a lot of, okay, so we we've, we've speculated in the past about uh Marcus's understanding of SD6 not being affiliated with the CIA. Mm-hmm. Like Arvin and Jack know that it's uh, a lie about their affiliation. Right. But we think Marcus might be someone who's in SD6 under the assumption that he's working for the good guys. Well, no, no, like that's absolutely because he, he emails the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> it's CIA at AOL.com. With, on a Blackberry, yeah, just and, typing way faster than I could ever type on any type of phone keyboard. Yeah, and he... Well, he gets paid the big bucks. Yeah, and uh, he thinks that he works for the CIA. Yeah. So, no, we have no reason to think that Dixon's a bad guy. No. Probably a little bit of a son of a bitch, but... That's allowed. It's not a crime. Son of a bitches get jobs done. Yeah. Son of a bitches put bullets in uh, people that are offending the everybody by being in brown face. He's been nothing but a solid dude. Yeah. And if his feelings are a little hurt by seeing his protege in brown face, fair enough. I'm on his side. Yeah. Call me a politically correct sissy. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay, so let's see where this uh, where we find these two next week. I bet it's going to be awkward. <laughs> it's going to be. I bet you it's going to be not as awkward as we think. I think that not that, as awkward as it should be. I think that look of recognition that somewhat builds tension, like uh oh, Marcus has made her and he's offended. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna it's it's gonna be a red herring. I agree. I think uh, they're gonna get by just fine, and. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll be extra credit. Oh, she was on vacation uh, trying to buy this ampule. If she can lie to Arvin, Tippin, she's lying to everybody. If she can fool all those other fools, someone, especially someone like Marcus, who thinks of Sydney as not only a protege, but someone who saved his life in Argentina. Mm hmm. The old freelancer. Freelancer. Yeah, I think he's gonna. He's. He, I think she has more than the benefit of the doubt. So he, she, she can easily spin some like, yeah, it was an undercover op to blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I didn't want Arvin to know because SD six technically can't be getting revenge on Kazanov, so it was a black op. Mm-hmm. She could. I think she has enough wiggle room. All right, we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so until next week. I am Matthew. And I'm Mitchell. Uh, you can tweet us at Final Frontiers. Email us at Final Frontiers Pod. Uh, next week, I will have that phone number so you can leave us a voicemail. <laughs> Please. Please. We'll play your voicemails. If you give us permission, we will play your voicemails. No, uh, uh, there's no permission. If you're leaving us a voicemail, take for granted, uh, unless it's the wrong number for that Dang. lady's health care plan. <laughs> I will respect her privacy. If you're looking There's for a whole your son, thing going we on won't there. do, we won't. If you're yeah. like, oh, my son is at this number, I just wanted to make sure he's enjoying your his... Your son's dead, lady. No. Now your phone number belongs to an alias podcast. Yeah, your son's dead. And they're not and terribly respectful of its memory. Your son's dead and Jackie Brestow killed him. Yeah. What are you going to do? So yeah, until next week, I am Matthew. And this is Mitchell. And have fun. Good night. Hey everyone, just a reminder that when we recorded this episode, we were called Final Frontiers. Now we're called Here Come the Warm Gents. Bear with us. Thanks for listening, and uh, have fun.